1: All right, today we have Rob Berry on the show. He's the president of That Audit Guy. See it at thatauditguy.com also. Uh, I'm looking at his website right now. He's got a, Rob has an audit apparel section, and there's one shirt that I'm laughing way too hard at. It says LIFO, L I F O, The Party. (laughs) I don't know. I'm laughing way too hard at that but uh, he's got some other good stuff on his website too there's uh, some good blog posts on there he's a pretty prolific blog writer uh, and some links to his books and things like that Um, but Rob is an audit risk and compliance uh, consultant and he also provides training in those areas um, as well as doing uh, quality assurance reviews and on the show we talk about social media, uh, social media auditing, and uh, kind of Rob's experience with that, as well as he tells some really good stories. I think Rob's a really good storyteller. And one story that he tells is about experiencing the product or the service um, of the uh, company that you're you know, in, in the audit department for. So uh, when Rob was in higher ed, he actually enrolled in the school and kind of went through the process. So that experience I thought was really interesting. He tells a good story there. So uh, be sure to listen to that. Uh, and then also I want to talk about Rob's uh, latest book, Creating Wonderful Work Papers. Um, it is, there's a link on his website. There's also a link in the in the show notes here. Um, also linked to he mentions a couple blog posts during the uh, during the show, so we'll we'll link to that also. And I believe that's it. Here we go.
0: Yeah, so basically as a co-sourcing partner, I believe in people, processes, and profits, right? So I believe that people are the ultimate uh, asset in your organization. And so if we improve our people, we can improve our processes, which will improve our profits. So in my business, I try and focus on those broken processes. So you'll want me if you have something that's broken in your company, regardless of the industry. I have a knack for going in and figuring out what's wrong because I talk to the people who are performing those processes. You know, it's just, it's strange. I found over the years that our job really is helping to bridge the gap between broken communication between upper management and the people who are actually doing the job. Uh, I'll tell you one story. When I first figured out that this was the case, I was working for Deloitte, had a client in Atlanta, they were an insurance company. Um, They, so essentially they had issues with, their uh disbursements for their death benefits so typically somebody dies you pay them money right if they have an insurance policy so <laughs> that wasn't really happening as it should have been happening at this insurance company the problem was they had two information systems that had different information in them and there were two points of entry for the social security number and somebody was always fat fingering and social security numbers weren't matching up that was the whole problem we get into the organization and we start talking to people and this little lady named Tracy ends up telling me what the problem is and how it came to be and how it could be fixed. And so I start going to management and having those meetings with them. And I say, well, could it be that the problem is this? And I would say exactly what Tracy said. Yeah. They would say, no, that couldn't be it. I'm like, Something's wrong. Dug into it. That was the problem. Worked with Tracy. We fixed the problem. Wrote the report. Saved them a few million dollars. At the end meeting where we said, okay, here's the problem. Here's how we fixed it. Tracy had been trying to tell them what the problem was for years. And here's why they didn't listen to her. She had a GED. So she didn't even graduate high school. They didn't value her because she didn't have the right credentials. I thought that was odd because when I talked to her and got her story, She didn't have a high school diploma because she was bored in high school, dropped out at 16, got a GED, taught herself five computer programming languages, and was a computer wizard. And so that just sparked in my head, like how many other companies are just missing out because they're not listening to the people. Right. So anyway, I say all that to say, I'm a process guy. If something's broken, I can come in and try and fix it. If if we have a willing organization where communication is open. Quality assurance reviews are another thing that are my specialty. I do them very quickly and efficiently. Most of the work I do remotely, which saves a lot of money. I just did one for a client uh, a few months ago and was done fairly quickly. Um, Anything in higher education, obviously. uh, Banking, any industry, retail, consumer goods, uh, just a good partner. Training, I do training. I have courses available on my website. on-demand courses where you get to see this ugly face for about an hour or so. I have a passion about helping people because over the years as, an, as a CAE, you would be surprised how many people have come to me in confidence saying, can we talk to you? Here's a problem. Or I'm trying to help my department out, but my boss is actually in my way. Can you help me? Or you talk to the boss and they can't get certain employees to really take action. And it goes back to though, I, I believe There are three different things that cause us to either succeed or fail. You know, I think either you don't have the resources, either financial or human, you don't have the knowledge or you don't have the desire. Mm -hmm. So now those are the three things you have to look at. If someone doesn't have the desire, starting with that third one, let them go. You can't teach desire. You can't inspire desire. You can't do it. It has to be intrinsic. But for the first two, what are the resources that are needed to actually do the job, complete the task? Maybe there's a misalignment there. And that's oftentimes what the problem is or what knowledge is missing. Because either way, you can either pump more money into it or communicate to that person. Your idea is really good, but we don't have the resources to do it right now. That at least gives them some validation that, hey, you know what you're doing. We just aren't in a place to do it. Or if they don't have the knowledge, send them to training. And every issue I've ever encountered, well, never mind, I don't want to use, I don't want to say every So let's just say most issues, though, are because of that. Lack of resources, lack of knowledge, and then a breakdown in communication between people. That's it. That's our job in a nutshell.
1: And and, and probably everyone boils down to ineffective communication. Like I don't know how many times I've looked back, uh, seen an issue, either uh, outside looking in or kind of thinking about it later, my own uh, perspective, like, Yeah, we just communicated ineffectively there. You know, that's what it boils down to, I think, for the most part.
0: Yeah, and we find that to be the case when we present issues and then we find out that we're wrong. You know, client brings forth new information. Either we didn't ask enough questions or we didn't ask the right person or we didn't ask the right questions to the right person at the right time of day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) And so speaking of communication, I know you've made this analogy that audit is the Alfred- to the first line's Batman. So <laughs> the first line is Batman. And I thought when you said that, initially you're gonna say an audit is Robin, but you didn't even say that, you said audit is Alfred the butler. Yes. So just so there's no miscommunication there, can you kind of elaborate on what you meant by that?
0: So, so okay, so I, I grew up in a time period when we didn't have cable television as rampant as we do now. So I grew up reading a lot of the comic books. And when you read them, you get to know the backstory about these heroes and you get to see who they are as people you know you know what I'm saying right? <laughs> but so when you think about think about Batman here he is Bruce Wayne this guy who's a superhero in Gotham he has no intrinsic powers he was just a multi-billionaire who created all these gadgets to help him fight a crime now in the background there's Alfred Alfred is manning the Batcave whenever Bruce is out, whenever Batman is out fighting crime. He's in his ear telling him what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. He's helping him understand when he's actually messed up. They disagree sometimes, they agree sometimes, but they love one another and they respect one another. Batman's ultimate goal is to keep Gotham City safe. That's his ultimate goal. Behind him is Alfred making sure that he can achieve his goals and objectives. So he's the front man, Alfred is in the back. And I don't know if you've seen that new series Gotham on Fox. Nah. So Gotham is where they go in and they take a look at Bruce when he's a kid, before he even became Batman. And what they show is when his parents died, so his parents, every superhero has some tragedy they have to overcome, right? right. His parents died in front of him. They were, well, they didn't die, they were murdered in front of him. So who did he have left? The butler. Alfred taught him to fight. Alfred taught him morals and ethics and values. So as he grew to become Batman, Alfred was like his moral compass, helping him to keep the city of Gotham safe. So I think that's where we as auditors are. We're that secondary support role. We're not there to kowtow and be a yes man, but we're also not there to be bullies either. We're there to support you in a loving way, but we're here to tell you the truth. My grandfather used to say, tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And you want to hope that those things are in line, but that's my superhero analogy for us. We're not the front line; we're the secondary superhero.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a good analogy because I think the the perception is the front line is Batman, and we're like the Joker or something like <laughs> we're the <laughs> right. bad guy. Yeah, yeah. So at least we're not the bad guy in this scenario.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely not the bad guy. Definitely not Joker. But uh, but yeah, I, I started thinking about it, especially working in higher education. When you look around at the things that have to take place in order for it to be successful. The first thing that has to be in line for you to be successful is, and this sounds crazy, but there's research to to support this. You need to have a well manicured landscape throughout your entire campus. Because when parents bring their kids to see your campus, that's the first thing they see. Mm, That's interesting. What does it look like? So your frontline people who do your lawn care are extremely important to your organization.
1: So, I did not think of that that's really true though i mean like i don't know how many times i'll i'll been working with higher ed even just looking them up on the you know like their website or whatever or just like yep. googling them go to the images to see uh, like who their mascot is or you know something like that and i'll be like that's a really nice lawn that's a really nice lawn." you know and that that kind of makes a lot of sense uh i'd never thought about that before
0: well think about it psychologically if you pay that much attention to detail to your landscaping. How much detail do you pay to other things? For example, you've been to Disney World, I'm sure, several times.
1: My kid's not quite old
0: enough, but I've- Oh, I, we'll get. So when you go in Disney, you rarely see a piece of paper on, on the floor.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It's built within their culture. No matter who you are in the organization, if you see paper on the ground, you're going to pick it up, put it in the trash. So if they pay that close attention to detail on something like the appearance of the park, imagine the things that they do when it comes to you know making sure your user experience is great and over the years the things that they've done have shown that
1: hey everyone thank you for continuing to listen to the show we want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at audit board the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk audit board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit SOX compliance risk management and security compliance Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today.
0: Delta Airlines. I write a lot about Delta because I'm so just the things that they do are just so great, the the, the small things. Uh, for example, five years ago, I wrote an article about an experience I had where I was chronicling a third-party provider that Delta had. Plane was delayed, ended up having to stay overnight. Um, so we had to walk all the way through the airport to get to their customer service section, and then they had to look up, uh, look up some information for us to find us a hotel in the city. And then we get out to the shuttle. Our shuttle was a no show to the hotel. Um, This other hotel shuttle driver took us to the hotel. And while I understood that it was a third party provider, the people that were with me were like, Delta is terrible. They are just terrible. It wasn't Delta's fault. But as auditors, we should be looking at those kind of third party providers. So now, fast forward to about six months ago, I was on a flight, no, actually about eight months ago now. I was on a flight and it was delayed, had to stay overnight. The improvements to the process were just so impressive. I got off the plane. The guy sitting at the um, terminal said, come to me. I'm going to give you your ticket as well as your hotel voucher. He gave us our ticket, our hotel voucher, and I was was just sitting there thinking, okay, here we go to the bus again. Now, the buses were on time, but that next day when we got up and got to the airport, we found out that not only did they put us on the first flight of the day, they actually chartered a brand new flight for us specifically, and they had food waiting for us at the terminal. As auditors, I wondered, and in the article I said, I wonder if Delta's auditors have ever gone through the experience, because I believe if we are auditing something, if it's something that we can experience, we should. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's a great quote. So I started in higher education in 2007. And I come from banking. The bank I was working for is no longer with us. They died a slow death uh, when the mortgage industry went collapsed. So the first thing I did was I enrolled in school. How can I audit our processes at a university if I don't know what those processes are? And so years later, I, I got a master's degree. What we do, I think, is so valuable. But I think one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is because, I mean, frankly, man, this career saved my life. I mean, I, I where I grew up and how I grew up and looking at what I've done now because of what I do, I'm just, I'm floored and amazed by the opportunities that auditing offers you. I mean, I've spoken at conferences all across the country and even internationally. Uh, A couple of years ago, IA Singapore, they had seen me do a a presentation. I have this one presentation. I call it activate your internal auditing awesomeness. Uh And it's just all about the things that you can do to be an awesome auditor, the soft skills. They saw it in Dallas, asked me to fly to Singapore just to do this one-hour presentation. I mean, look, man, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. mean you picture somebody from, (laughs) you know, that's... Yeah. I just, I I love what we do and, and the opportunities that we have to help improve people and companies and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I agree that, like, the opportunities are crazy because I think we are still kind of antiquated. Yes. Me being analytics and tech driven and supporting audit through, uh, those tools and those processes, initiatives, and then to not see them being used to the extent they could and should be, yes. it's like, uh, there is so much opportunity within audit to, to really like blow it up and make it really, really good. Uh, so I completely agree.
0: Well, and it's the simple stuff too, because there's one, okay. There's one side having the information as an auditor but there's another side and that's delivering the information to your clients in a way that they can receive it. Mm-hmm. And that's where we oftentimes fail. Like for example, I've written audit issues that have simply had a graph as the issue. Here's the issue.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: sure. Here's the whole population. Here's the percentage of the population that's good. Here's the percentage of the population that did not meet the standards. There's your issue. I don't need to write anything. There it is. Picture tells a thousand words kind of thing. Yeah. Our clients don't want to hear us go on and on and pontificate in these audit reports about how great we are. No. Yeah. Plain yeah. language. Okay. Um, but but yeah, this is, I mean, this is what we do is just great. I'm grateful to be doing
1: it. Yeah. And that's a good point you made about the, the visualization in the audit report. It's just like something else that we can do. Um, I'm going to say to add value, but it, it, that's almost being overused. But yeah, um, I guess we'll say add value for now is putting those in there. Like just even the visualizations, like I've seen people take basically like kind of marketing material infographic, you know, that you typically see in an advertisement and that's kind of the audit report. I guess they probably have the cover sheet with your typical yada, yada, yada in there that nobody reads anyway. But then the second page that, you know, once you get that first one and that becomes habitual and that's what you look for, you skip that first page anyway And you see, you know, the results in that infographic style
0: and you pay a lot more attention to it when you see that. Well, what you have to consider is as auditors, we have no idea who our ultimate audience is going to be. We serve multiple audiences from, you know, a line level worker to the CEO. And so what I try to do is use what's called the VAT model of learning. You either visual, auditory or kinesthetic, right? So if you can give a visual, the visual people are gonna be right there with you. Mm-hmm. For the people who are auditory, you know, you, you, you tell them a compelling story. And for the people that need to have an experience, they'll dovetail into that story as well if you make it a story that they can feel. So that's why when I do presentations too, you don't see PowerPoint slides with words all on from me. You'll see a picture while I'm telling you a story so that you can capture people at their, whoever, whatever learning modality they have. So as far as uh, products and services, I offer a lot of free internal auditing articles at thatauditguy.com. I write a lot. Um, I'm developing what we, what the NASBA calls nano courses. That's just 10 minute video courses and you can get CPE credits for them. Uh, I maintain the CPE certifications, uh, certificates for you on my website. All I ask for is your email address because yes, I am going to email you. <laughs> but you can get several 10 minute courses for free. I have courses for sale on my website uh, reasonably priced and, and good value on a variety of topics. Uh, I am a good co-source partner. Again, people, processes, and profits. That's what we're looking to improve here. Our people, our processes, and our profits. And you know, those in the social media space have been trying to do things like that for years. They have social media analysts, but I think, I'm, I'm not sure if they—if anyone has gotten it right. But, you know, they have different metrics that they use, but being able to hone in on your headlines that work, your action words, how many people engage, what time of day they engage, if you could drill down to that. I don't know if LinkedIn actually provides that kind of data.
1: There's, no, there's, anecdotally, people say this time is what works for me, this time doesn't. But I, it's interesting you bring up, or, the, you know, we've been talking social media and how you can and can't. I know that's, uh, is that a service offering that you have? Is Or that's kind of your your fastball is um, social media, Is it an audit? Is that how you would?
0: Because I like to write, I've written a few books. I recently completed what I believe to be the first book solely dedicated to work papers. Uh, I think work papers are the foundational element of auditing. And you can be as smart as Einstein. But if you do bad work papers, you will not succeed as an auditor. Uh, Several trusted sources have read the book. I'll probably send you a copy too, Trent, and ask you to take a look at it. I hope so. It's short and very conversational. Uh, It will be for sale probably in the next week or so on Amazon. Uh, I have another book. It's quite unique. Uh, The title is quite unique as well. It is titled uh, Business Bullcrap. And it's called, and and the subtitle, so the title is Business Bullcrap, Overcoming Craptacular Counterproductive Practices That Kill Cultures and Pummel Profits. Nice. It's all about bad things that I've seen throughout my career, either experienced directly or things that have been told to me by others and how to overcome those. For example, there's an entire chapter on gossiping and the effect that gossip has on your organization. So it just outlines, I think it's about 12 chapters worth of things that if your organization is doing this, it's bad. Here's the effect it's having on your employees in the organization and here's how to overcome it. Um, I actually wrote that book about five years ago, I did a refresh of it during this coronavirus crisis. I mean, I have nothing but time on my hands. So there's that book, Um, again, not audit related, but it's just warning signs to look out for in the workplace. Um, Again, quality assurance reviews, I love doing those because it helps me to learn my craft better. And then it also helps me to talk about things I've seen at other companies and tell other companies incompetence, obviously, things that have worked for others. So, I mean, that kind of summarizes me as that audit guy uh, and and what I am and what I'm about. Look for me on thatauditguy.com. That is my web space where I also have uh, merchandise. For some reason, I like graphic design. So I sell like funny T-shirts and stuff surrounding our profession. Uh, Like there's one that says awesome auditor. There's one for kids that says daddy's little tax deduction. <laughs> um, just just fun stuff that I like to do. I did the graphic designs, put the stuff up, and said, hey, here's here's what I like to do in my spare time.
1: Okay. And then and then for people to reach you, what's the best way uh, to get in contact with you?
0: The best way is email. Let's see. So right now I'm working with two different email addresses. That that there's that audit guy at gmail.com. Then there's also rob, R-O-B, at thatauditguy.com.